0: Father, thank you for this community. Um, Thank you uh, for loving us. Thank you for coming as a child and dying then for our sins and raising from the dead and and just engaging us, dwelling with us. Um, And Jesus, as we always say every Sunday, we come here in a lot of different ways and a lot of different places. Some of us are very wounded and we don't know what we believe about you and we're struggling some of us are excited to be here some of us are here out of obligation but we're all here and so we're looking to hear something and to learn of you and to celebrate you so we declare you our king and holy spirit we ask that you would give us the courage to believe what's true and to throw out what's false and to walk away um, with a sense uh, that you love us and that you care for us I ask that in your name jesus amen Um, I'll take that. We are in Advent. And Advent is four Sundays before Christmas. And Advent means the coming or the arrival of something. And we're all celebrating the coming and the arrival of Jesus. And so we're in the third week of Advent. And normally the way Advent works is as you have candles, and so we'd usually have four candles up here, plus a candle in the middle, which is the Christ candle, and we would light those. And they all usually have subjects that you, you know, look at. Each week has, you know, either talking about peace or love, or, or they're talking about the patriarchs or the prophets, um, all those kinds of things. And, um, but we decided this year, we're like, we're not gonna do the candles, because we're gonna just choose some subjects that maybe don't go along with the candles. Um, and so we looked at numbers for the first week and just looked at what it means to have faith. We looked at, um, the week after that, we looked at John the Baptist and just sort of the way he interrupts us and disturbs us and calls us to, to kind of wake up. Um, and this week we're gonna, we're gonna talk about angels. But before we get to talking about angels, I want to talk just a little bit about Advent. Um, and I want to talk about the Orthodox Church. So the Orthodox Church is, it's in the stream of Christianity. Um, it's a stream that we as Christians all kind of believe the same thing, but they have some differences in their traditions and what in some of their things that they believe, but they all believe in Jesus, and they believe in God, and they believe the basics of Christianity. But one of the things that they do with Advent that's really cool is that they fast and they feast. And what's interesting is they fast food, um, but while they're fasting food, they also fast sin. Okay. Now, they don't, it's not like they sin all year, and then when Christmas comes, they're like, oh, we're not going to sin anymore for like four weeks. But the idea is that while they're taking that day of fasting, they also say, okay, I'm going to fast anger. So while they're fasting the food, they're thinking about their struggle with anger, and they're kind of processing that and thinking about it instead of eating, so that when they're faced with things that drum up anger, they've been fasting, they've been thinking about it, and they're able to deal with it differently. And the idea is for them that, that this is a way of kind of stripping off sort of the, the things that hinder them from really embracing baby Jesus, from really engaging Christ and looking at Christmas and having it impact them. Now, other thing with Advent that all the traditions have is this idea of almsgiving, right? That you give something extra during the Christmas season. And the idea there, and here's why we give gifts for Christmas. The idea there is that Jesus, as a baby, was a gift to us from God. A gift that none of us deserve. God becoming man and dwelling with us. And so in order to celebrate that and demonstrate that, we give gifts to one another. And the idea of giving gifts to one another is that we should be giving gifts that actually stretch us a little financially. And that maybe that, that person doesn't actually expect. Because what we're doing is we're demonstrating who Jesus is by offering somebody a, a gift that they really maybe don't even need. Like something that they're that's just special for them. And so they and then are put in the position of having to reflect on receiving Jesus and receiving a gift that they don't deserve. And so when you're giving presents and receiving presents, I want you to think, about that idea that you give presents because you were given the present of Jesus. And that you, when you receive a present, the feeling that you feel when someone gives you a present and you're like, I think they spent a little too much money on this for me. Like, I don't deserve this. That, that's what it's like to receive Jesus. That's, that's the idea that's supposed to be kind of being drummed up there and kind of created there. And that's why we give gifts is to sort of, is to, to reflect on Jesus and His gift to us. Now, I just want you to know something. Because maybe you don 't all know this that Christmas the celebrating of Christmas in the united states it 's not a United States holiday, okay in fact, because the Puritans started our country not until the 1800s was Christmas something that we celebrated in fact, the Congress was first they did have their first inaugural meeting on Christmas day like and in some states it was actually illegal to celebrate Christmas because the puritans and and really all of early America thought that. Christmas had really been kind of messed up and become kind of a place where what most of us complain about now that it's become busy and it's all about, you know, the gifts and it's become kind of just sort of this greedy event and not really about Jesus. So now we celebrate Christmas and Advent is a place where you engage in giving and receiving and remembering who Jesus is. So those are just some things. For you to kind of think about when it comes to Advent before we get started tonight. Um, but tonight I want to talk about angels. Um, and before I start talking about angels, I want to tell you, like I, I didn't jump off of the loony bus just recently, and you know I'm I'm not a crazy person, though maybe most of you think I am. But we're going to talk about a world that you can't see. And a world that I believe really exists where there is good and evil in a spiritual realm that's fighting against each other. And it is always in a state of war. It's not in a state of peace. It's in a state of conflict. Now, if I were to speak about angels, we would need all year to really talk about what the Bible has to say about angels. So I'm not going to be able to, to really communicate all of it, but we're going to look at Luke chapter two, verses eight through 20, and we're going to see a bunch of angels, and it's easy to read over these angels and say, "Ah, oh, that's kind of cute. But I want you to understand what's happening when these angels show up. And so I'm going to read a small passage out of Daniel, which kind of opens the veil for just a little bit to show us what's happening in the spiritual world. Now, you're going to have to go read Daniel 10, all of it, to know the story. I just want to read a little interaction between Daniel and an angel that kind of communicates to you what's happening in the world that you and I can't see. All right, so Daniel chapter 10, Daniel has been fasting and Daniel has been trying to figure out a, a meaning to a vision and he's been praying and, and you kind of have to read the whole story to understand what's going on, but here is his interaction with an angel who shows up in chapter 10 verse 12. It says, Then he continued, this is the angel, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. So the angel is saying, you asked for something, and I was sent to give you the answer. But there's a but. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. He's not talking about human kings. Apparently, nations have forces attached to them, evil forces and good forces. And the king of Persia is obviously evil, and it is resisting this messenger who's supposed to get to Daniel. It resisted him 21 days. So there's a time period that happens in the spiritual world, and there's a war, and the enemy, Satan, wants to stop whatever's good, from happening. He wants to stop God's messengers. In fact, there was such a resistance going on that Michael, the prince, the chief prince, had to come and relieve this angel so that he could get the message. So there was two angels who had to fight to get there, to get this message out. There's a spiritual battle going on. We learned later on in this passage that the Greek kingdom has angel has demonic forces attached to it that all of that there's this battle of good and evil in the spiritual world going on okay i want you to hold on to that as we think about angels announcing who jesus is but before we get there the apostle john in his letter to um that he wrote to the churches in 1 john 3:8 he says this the one who does what is sinful is of the devil Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The enemy is about evil and sin, the turning away from God, the the outright rebellion of God. And the reason that this baby Jesus appeared, the reason that God of the universe became human, was to destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus is here. So when we're celebrating Christmas, one of the things we're celebrating is the arrival of God on earth to destroy the devil's work. Now, Paul the Apostle shows us in one of my favorite passages what you and I as a church have to do in that conflict. What we're about. How we involve ourselves with Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, speaking of God, it says, His intent intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of god should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in christ jesus our lord in him and through him through faith in him we may approach god with freedom and confidence so people who follow jesus people who surround themselves around jesus the church the greek word for the church is ecclesia though people who are called out Those people, you and I, when we get together, when we surround ourselves with Jesus, when we make announcements about Jesus, when we identify ourselves with Jesus, what we're doing is making the manifold wisdom of God known. Right? You and I, together worshiping God, demonstrate the manifold wisdom of God. But the main purpose isn't to demonstrate it to a bunch of people in Tucson or in the world. One of the main purposes is For you and I to make that known in the spiritual world. To the, to the enemy of dark, of, of good. To Jesus. The enemy of Jesus. We're making known God's wisdom. Who he is. Okay? So we're, we're also, if you decide to be a follower of Jesus, caught up at some level in this spiritual battle. We have an impact in it. And we have a purpose in it. We have a mission in it. We have a job in it. Okay? And the angels that show up in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, show us how we're to do this. Show us how you and I get to become people who make the manifold wisdom of God known. And they kind of demonstrate it for us and they help us kind of understand What's going on? So we're going to read through that. Luke chapter two, verse eight. And you've noticed we're kind of working our way backwards. We started in the Old Testament in a kind of strange passage in Numbers talking about snakes and, and, you know, death and crosses. And then we were talking about John the Baptist. And now we're moving back to the angels. And next week we will talk about the birth of Jesus. But Jesus has just been born at the beginning of this passage. And in verse eight, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby lying in a manger. So what we have is these shepherds. And they're out taking care of sheep. And it's dark, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a light bulb is turned on, and an angel shows up. And it's interesting because this is pretty much, for the most part, the uniform experience of anybody who really sees an angel. They're terrified. But in the Greek, it literally says, fear, fear. Like, they're so afraid, they're doubly afraid. Like What the language is trying to communicate is that they are just... They've gone white. They've fallen on their face. And they're just hoping that they won't die. And this the next thing that the angel said is what all angels say when they see humans are trembling. Usually, unless they've come to destroy them, they say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then the angel basically announces the Gospel to them. Okay, He says, don't be afraid because I bring you good news. Now the word for good news is evangelon and it means victories. It's a military term. It's the word we get Gospel from, but it's a military term. It's a term about listing out all the good things a general has done. And so what this angel showing up says, guess what guys? I have... Victorious news! I have news that's of a military nature. That this isn't just like, "Ooh, good news!" You know, so and so did this, and that was no. I have a really intense, victorious kind of message to give you, and that message is going to cause you joy. But the first thing is that a Savior has been born. That's the first thing. So. When you and I think about what we're called to do, the first thing that we're called to do is say, you know what, there's a Savior that's been born. And who is this Savior? He's the Messiah, the Lord. Now, Messiah and Lord, you can just interpret that as King. So what the angel says to these shepherds is, guess what, guys? A victorious King has just been born. A Savior. Now, why would anybody need a Savior? Really, why do we need a Savior? What do we need to say well, it's actually in here is these angels are terrified. well, what are they terrified of? they're not terrified that they're going to grow two heads from looking at an angel. they're not like thinking, "Oh man I'm going to grow seven fingers now that I've seen an angel." no they're terrified of dying, which every single fear that you and I have is really all can be rooted down to you're afraid to die. Every fear you have is you're afraid to die, and the reason that no matter if we believe in God or not. Like the reason you're afraid to die is you don't know what's going to happen after you die. You just don't know. But you're pretty sure it's scary. Like it terrifies all of us to die. So when... Got some some competition in there. <laughs> yes, they're very terrified, yes. Yeah, they must have seen an angel in there. Good, I'm glad you're getting the points. Very Good. <laughs> But the Savior isn't here to make kingdoms happen. The Savior is here to save us from death. The good news is that the baby is going to be victorious over death. That's what the angel is starting to say. That's what he's indicating to these shepherds. Don't be afraid. A Savior's been born. He's a king. And he's going to take care of that fear you're feeling of me. Right? Because we're all afraid of death. And what do we know about the enemy? We know that the enemy had a hold of death. So after this angel appears, then it says, suddenly a company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So all of a sudden, now instead of one angel, you have a hosts of angels, you have an army. Now, in Jewish tradition, if a baby is born, the family shows up around the house, and particularly if it's a boy, and they sing. And they sing and they sing, and then they start going through the little village and they sing. Because they're announcing a boy has been born. Now most of you, we have lots of babies, a lot of you put a stork in front of your yard. right? That's how you announce it. But we should change the tradition. The next baby is born, we all need to show up at the house, sing, and wander through the neighborhoods announcing that a boy has been born. Because that's what the Jewish people did, and we should do it like them. Because it would be fun. All right, come on. Who who's, who's, who's? Danielle is due next. Alright, we're showing up at Danielle's house. Don't tell her. She's in there at the... But Jesus doesn't have any family to come sing for him. Or at least we don't think he does. But he's also a king. And so, if a king is born... He needs an army to show up, right? He needs an army to show up. And so an army of angels show up to these shepherds and begin to sing. Now, I just when I the reason I told you all about Daniel and the spiritual world is I want you to realize that when these angels show up to these shepherds, the enemy Satan was not going, "Hmm, the baby whose God has who's just born the one who's going to destroy my works." I don't think I want to do anything to prevent this. Yeah, you come and sing about him. That sounds like a good idea. No, an army had to come to make the announcement. It wasn't just that a king was been born, but an army had to come because this was an act of war. When Jesus was born, God becoming man, fully man, fully God, when he shows up, when Mary has a baby, it is an act of war. And the angel showing up is saying, the war is on. It's begun. Freedom is about to happen. Okay? Now, the angels make an announcement, and the NIV, which is the first section I have up here, doesn't do a good job. After studying this and and looking at things, the New King James kind of lays it out a little bit better, um, more close probably to what the language says, and it has three parts to what these angels say. The first thing is, it says... God, glory to God in the highest. Okay. The second is peace on earth. And the third is goodwill towards men. So there's these three part announcement that they're making. Okay. So the first announcement that they make is glory to God in the highest. If the king is born, the first thing you're going to say about the king is it's not about us. It's about the king. Everything is about the king. The announcement that the angels make is that it's all about God. Now, recently in leadership, we were talking about what if everything went wrong on a Sunday night or in Bible study? Like, what's the one thing that we want to have happen? Even if there's no food, the music goes bad, we don't have the recording, you know, the kids are running around throwing rotten tomatoes. Like, what's the one thing that when we walk away on a Sunday evening, we're like, yeah, that was a really good service. And what we concluded was there's one thing that we had our eyes taken off ourselves and had our eyes put on God. That that was the one thing that made what we do when we gather important. It's what makes the manifold wisdom of God known. is that You and I come together, and we get our eyes off ourselves and onto God. And that's what these angels are saying. They're quickly saying, this is all about God. The second thing they say is, and on earth peace. Now, the word peace here is the Greek word for The absence of war, but if you're saying if your angels saying peace to Jewish people, then you're talking about shalom, which is like a whole body peace. But that's not even important. Jesus says something really important in John 14. He says that he gives a peace that the world doesn't give. Right? The world's peace is sort of tentative, but the peace that God gives, Jesus gives, is not. And he kind of lays it out. He says that knowing truth and knowing the word of God. Is how you get peace. That the peace of Jesus is knowing Jesus and knowing what Jesus says. And then he says that the spirit of God is the one that will bring that to you. So the peace that they're talking about is that the King has come, and that when you learn of the King, and when you learn what the King says, and then when the King leaves and His spirit comes, you will have peace that the that the world can't take from you because it comes from the God of the universe. And then Paul in Colossians says that the peace of God comes from Christ crucified. That the peace of God comes from Christ crucified. That you know what Jesus says. You know who Jesus is. You know what Jesus says. And you accept what he's done for you on the cross. That's the peace. Not an absence of war. Not the absence of fights in your family. Not the absence of strife and struggle. No. Knowing Jesus Knowing what he says, accepting what he's done for you on the cross. That's what they're talking about when they say, and on earth, peace. And then goodwill to men. Which simply is just grace. right The grace of God. God's favor on us. Something we don't deserve. Given to us. Baby Jesus. So these angels show up to these shepherds and they're making this announcement. And if you go through the old testament one of the things you're going to find out is is that there is a military sense to music that music is military that the jewish people the ones who were the rear guard of the tabernacle were singers and protectors of the tabernacle and that you see that david one of the most violent men in scripture was a musician and you look at the way the Jewish people use music, and it is offensively. And the way that they do it is they make really loud, really strong announcements about who God is. Like there is something about singing that is not just for you and I. It is another way that the manifold wisdom of God is made known. It's another way that we push into the darkness and we say no to Satan. And the angels show us how we do it. The music that you and I sing needs to be music that says it's not about me, it's about God. The music that you and I sing needs to be music that is about the peace of God, about Jesus exploding onto the scene. The music that you and I sing needs to be about the grace of God. My mother told me when I was a little kid and I was scared that I should sing Jesus Loves Me. Because there's nothing in the dark world that is more powerful than the love of Jesus. And that simple song can move and push away any darkness. And move it away from me. And I believe it's true. And many nights, even now, when I'm struggling, I sing Jesus loves me. Because I know the power of the love of Jesus pushes away the darkness. It pushes away from my fear. It assures me That what Jesus came to do in that birth was about removing the darkness from this world. And so these angels, this song is a combat song. This isn't a, yay, hey, we're happy, we're here, we made it. No. This is a song of combat and they burst onto the scene and they sing it to the shepherds. And they sing it to the world. And who knows how long they sang together, but when they had left, and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, if you grew up in the church, like I have, then you've heard a lot about shepherds. Or maybe you're really into Bible study and so you've studied a lot about first century shepherds. But maybe you know nothing about shepherds and don't understand why they're important. So I'd like to explain that to you. You see, Shepherds in the first century most likely were hired. And the reason that they were hired was because if you worked with sheep, you were not allowed to actually be a witness in a court trial. You were not allowed to go into the temple and worship with your brothers and sisters because you were unclean and you were always unclean. And so you were kind of a second-hand citizen. But not only that, the pious people of the time would not buy a sheep from you because most likely it was stolen because that's how the hired people really made their money. The hired shepherds was to kind of take a few of the owner's sheep. So it's kind of like, you know, nobody's going to buy the sheep from the guy in the alley in the cart going, psst, hey, I got a sheep for you, right? This this is not going to happen, right? Because you probably stole it. So the shepherds weren't necessarily the kind of people that you would think the angels would fight so hard to show up to. But if you know anything about Jesus, then you know that his whole ministry is about sheep and being a shepherd. In the Gospel of John, he calls himself the good shepherd. He's constantly talking about what a bad shepherd is and what a good shepherd is. And in fact, he calls all of us who follow him sheep, which is an insult because sheep are stupid, they're stubborn, They, you know, get into the wrong kinds of food and then they fill up and bloat and they can explode and they fall over and they're still eating while they're falling over, eating clovers, you know? They, right? They're just, they're not smart. And Jesus says, you're one of them. Right? That's who we are. We act like sheep. And there are good shepherds and bad shepherds. But, I think that the angels fought so hard to show up to the shepherds because the shepherds are Jesus' family. The shepherds are his family. They're the outcasts. They're the people who nobody cares about. They're the people that Jesus came to save, right? Jesus tells the Pharisees, you know, people who are righteous, they don't need mercy. It's the people who are sinners that I came to save, right? It's the shepherds that I came to. And so the angels fought a spiritual battle to show up to Jesus's family to tell them that their king was born, that their savior was born. And what do they do? They do exactly what the family of somebody who just had a Jewish boy, a firstborn Jewish boy. That's who gets the most singing, by the way. Um, they go into Bethlehem, and they go and see the baby, and what do they do? They sing. They go tell everybody, right, in this little village, it's probably not that big. And they're like, hey, a baby was born, and it's God, it's the king. They're announcing it. It's really interesting to me that the angels didn't just show up in Bethlehem and make the announcement. They went and got Jesus' family. And they went and made the announcement. His adopted family. They fought a spiritual battle to get there. To do that. And I love what is said here at the end. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen or they'd heard and seen. They returned it's not about me, it's about God, and singing about it. That's what glorifying and praising is. like saying, wow, this is what we've seen, this is what we've heard. So coming to Christmas, which is two weeks away, or what, uh, a week and a half away? Something like that. I don't have an Eric assignment for you, right? Like I like to give assignments, so I've told you when we were going through the Ten Commandments, you need to do a Ten Commandment analysis. And last week I told you to give your shirt away. Anybody give a shirt away? Yeah. Some people gave gave some shirts away. Right? And you still have an opportunity to give a shirt away. Just go read John the Baptist a little further on down. You'll know what we're talking about. What's that? Yes, how many of you watched Chris Rock? All right. You even have somebody very good. It was really good, wasn't it? Cool. I don't have any assignments like that. Nope. But I do want you As you walk out the door today, and as you walk into this week and a half up to Christmas, I want you to take on the nature of the shepherds. The angels have shown up to you. They have announced to you God's glory, His salvation, the removal of your terror and fear. And I want you to just have this posture of glorifying God for what you've seen and what you've heard. So the question that I have for you tonight that I just want you to ponder, somebody give me a time. We have time? 6.02. I want you to ponder this, and I'm actually you to turn out the lights, and we're just going to sit in silence for a minute, or for five minutes. And I just want you to ask yourself this question over this year. What have I seen and what have I heard? Where have the angels of God shown up to me? Where has God shown up? What has He done? What is it that when I sit with my family or when I sit alone in this Christmas season, wherever you're going to be in Christmas, when I'm sitting there contemplating Jesus, fully God, fully man, as a little baby, what have I seen Him do? What have I heard? I just want you to wrestle with that and listen to what God has to say to you. So we're just going to sit there for five minutes quietly, and then we'll spend some time singing, and I'll come back up and do communion and offering. There's a a theme that kind of runs through this. The angels proclaim, the shepherds proclaim. I'd ask that as you have thought about what you have seen and what you've heard, that you take this Christmas time and make that announcement to people. So I will give you a practical way. The next time you give, when you give someone a gift, don't just hand them a gift. Tell them what you've seen, what you've heard. Because that's what Christmas is about. This is the offering. If you're visiting us, we're just really happy to have you. If you kind of, if you do believe in what we do here at the village and you're a, a member of the village and you believe in keeping this together and keeping the pastors paid and the lights on, then this is the offering and give what God has called you to give. A little black chair back there is called the sinner's chair. Um, it's just a chair where you can um, be prayed for. Um, so if you want to be prayed for, for your own sin or sin you've just been sinned against, and you it's impacted you and you need prayer, there's a place to sit. Or you're just worried about something. You sit there, someone will pray for you. Um, the other way to respond to God's Word is through offering. And the little bag here does have gluten-free bread in it for those who need gluten-free bread. Um, but as you come up, the bread represents God's body broken for you. And the juice represents Jesus' blood poured out for you. So if you can come and say, I stand with the broken body of Jesus and His blood poured out for me, then come up here and make an announcement, make a proclamation about what Christ has done for you. We're going to spend some time listening to some music. We're going to sing together and then we're going to eat. So let's continue to worship God.